Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hi, we're back on Ayers on the Road. Um, we have been in the air again this week. We have been in California in rainy Laguna Beach for six days and then in Palm Springs for a few days. But not all play, Linda. Working hard. Working hard on a new book that we're going to call Receiving Family Revelation. We're excited. I wish this was a dialogue. I wish you could talk back to us through mm-hmm. the radio. We would have a lot of questions to ask you about that. But we're, you know, it's a wonderful, how do you like in 2019 so far, honey? I think it's great. I mean, we were looking at flowers and grass yesterday, then we came back to Utah, and we have a ton of snow, which is great. We got a guy to plow. We got a, a, the biggest snowblower you've ever seen. It's a huge machine, and we now have a four and a half, three and a half to four and a half foot high wall on each side of our driveway getting in to our house in Park City. So we went from one extreme to the other, but we're glad to be back. And we're, we're really excited about this show today, aren't we? We are. There's a lot to talk about. Let me give you a quick catch up and then we'll jump right into it. So as many of you faithful listeners know, we, uh, we have a brand new book. I call it ours because Linda helped me a lot with it, but this one only has my name on it. But it's called The Happiness Paradox. And the paradox is that the very three things that people think will bring them happiness, namely ownership, control, and independence, it's the pursuit of those three things that actually sucks happiness out of our lives and causes so much frustration and so much comparing and so much competing and so much guilt and so many other things. And and it's a t- it was a tough book to write because people... You, boy, you have to work at getting people to be convinced that control, ownership, and independence are not good things. They are good things economically, and they are good things on a limited basis. You want to control your emotions. You want to you want to be independent financially, and so on. But we carry it so much too far. We think we can control a lot of things that we really can't control, and we're frustrated when we can't, and it causes us to be unhappy. And we think we want to own more, own, 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 which causes us to compare and compete and be condescending or envious or jealous or or have covetous thoughts and all the rest. And maybe the worst one of all, we think we want to be independent, which is actually the worst wish that a person could have. Now, we're not saying that some people aren't independent. There are a lot of people that are not married or have been married and are on their own and they're... They're independent in some ways, but actually they depend on so many other things and other people in their lives. That well, it's just, I mean, how independent is anyone? We're, we're dependent on everyone around us. We're, we're dependent on the Internet, for crying out loud, to do this show today. We're, we're, we're dependent on all the people in our neighborhoods. We're dependent on our utilities. We're dependent on so many. We're interdependent as human beings, and we're dependent on God for everything. And so, anyway, that's the thesis of the of the book, The Happiness Paradox. And you actually have to flip it over and read it from the other side to read the happiness paradigm. In other words, what are the things that could replace control, ownership, and independence? What are the things that, if you replace those, 
you'd have an attitude that was conducive to happiness rather than contradictory toward happiness. Now, we're doing a three-part series. And this is the third part. And this is the third part, so you've already heard some of this before. But, but we're applying it to families. We're applying it to parenting. And, and, and frankly, that's easy to do because that's what we were thinking of mainly when, when we wrote the book. And so two weeks ago, and if you haven't maybe listened to these episodes... I'd love it if you'd go back and listen to them, although this is not necessarily sequential. You don't have to have heard the first two parts in this little three-part series to appreciate this third part. But they do kind of go together in some ways. And, you know, we're hearing more and more from people, Linda, who who, uh, who listen to Ayers on the Road as a podcast. Boy, are we into podcasts. And boy, do we have some kids that are into podcasts. No kidding. They're the ones that are directing us. For those of you who are, are our age out there probably are in the same boat. But there are so many interesting things going on between TED Talks. TED Talks were the big deal originally. And now it's gone to podcasts. And it's so interesting because you can just put earbuds in your ear. And listen, and listen. anytime you want. You know, if you can't sleep at night, listen to a podcast if you're... In the gym, working out, listen to a podcast. and If you're folding the laundry, listen to a podcast. Yeah, we, we've got a whole list of favorites. We'll have to do a, a whole show on favorite podcasts sometimes. But the beauty of it is, whatever your podcast app is, um, you know, there's dozens of them, but whatever it is, you can type in the search bar, Ayers on the Road, and boom, there it is, and it'll be on your phone every week, and you can just listen to it whenever you like. And so, uh, if you haven't heard the first two in this little mini-series, you might want to listen in. But but in a way, Linda, this is my favorite one, because what we're talking about today is the fallacy of independence and how much better off if we adopt an alternative attitude, which we call synergicity. I'm going to have to explain that word, but it is the opposite of independence. It's the acknowledgement that we're all interdependent, and that we are dependent on God, and particularly so when it comes to our families, to our marriages, and to our parenting. Because if you're in trouble faster as a parent or marriage partner than trying to be independent. Right. Well, even if you're independent, if you don't have a family, it is so important to rely on other people and to pull other people into your lives who you can help or who can help you. So, let's really be substantive today and just say that, you know, when we were working so hard at trying to create these three alternatives to control, ownership, and independence, the, the first two were kind of obvious to us. The, the, the alternative to control is serendipity, which means just the opposite of control. It means you're just aware and you see opportunities and you don't try to make things happen. You see what really is happening, and you, 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 you love it. You relish it. You get into it. So we had that one, and then the the even more obvious was the alternative to ownership. Forget ownership and adopt the attitude instead of stewardship. And you can see instantly how those apply to parenting, right? A, a parent. We just did a TV show today on on control freak parents. I mean, it's a step beyond being a helicopter parent. When you're a control freak parent, you're trying to control everything your kids do. And serendipity, on the other hand, is 
watching your children, learning to know who they are and understand them and so on. And then and then last week on, on this show, on Ours on the Road, we did stewardship parenting. And that's so powerful, especially with religious and spiritual people, that we're not owners of our children. We didn't make them. We facilitated them coming to this earth. They are God's children, and we are the stewards. We have a stewardship over them. I'm talking too much, Linda, but I'm trying to get to the next real point here. Well, before you get to the next point, I have to say that I've just finished a book that I really love, and it's interesting when you have something like this in your mind, how it applies to whatever you're reading, whatever you're doing, because this is an amazing story about a family. It's called A Place for Us, and it's by... um, an Indian uh, woman, young woman, who was a Muslim. Her name's Fatima Farheem Mirza. And I'm telling you, it is such a fantastic story about this very thing, about parents being stewards and trying to and trying to let their kids be who they are, but having a really hard time with it. Well, they were kind of controlling, at least in the part I've read. Well, the and, father was very controlling, yeah. And kind of saw the kids as their their property. They were they were owners of them. Right. Well, it's just a fascinating story, and it, it goes with everything. I mean, like these parents kind of felt like they owned these kids, and they had to do their very best. They were such good parents. I'm telling you, they were fabulous parents, but they just, just getting didn't into the book. do everything right. And so I think, if you think about this, this independence and this all this serendipity and all these things, it's amazing how it just just pops out at you, whether it's in a book or in your life. So anyway, I really want you listeners to understand this framework before we dive into this idea of what is the alternative to independence, this false notion of independence. So again, just final review, you replace control with serendipity, you replace ownership with stewardship. What do you replace independence with? Because independence is this notion that I can do it myself. I'm good enough to raise these kids without any help. I'm just on my own and I'm happy with that. I don't need anyone. I can do it independently. And that is such a big, big problem. And I think actually that um, we mentioned earlier what the name is that goes with this because it's, it's a word actually that you made up. Well, it's a combination of two other words. By then, we were kind of locked into this. We needed a, a word that had 11 letters and started with an S, because that's just how I am. <laughs> I am married to a really weird person who is OCD on the number of letters in words. But anyway, going ahead. So, and, and we knew that this word, in order to be the counter word or the opposite word or the antithesis to independence, it had to be something that embraced people working together in a way that was complementary and so that two parents working together can do this or two people in a team can do better than each of them individually and and we also knew, knew it had to have something to do with timing just the right timing not trying to force things but letting them come to you at the at the right time and in the right way and so we had two words we had we had the the wonderful word of synergy which as most of us know, means two plus two can equal five. The, 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 the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. But we also needed something about timing. And there's this wonderful world, word coined by Carl, Carl Jung, 
the Swiss analyst and psychologist and psychiatrist, which is synchronicity, which sort of means everything's connected and and a butterfly flaps its wings in New York and the climate changes in Brazil and on and on and on. And, and the idea that things happen in a timing that is beyond our control, we just have to tap into it. So we put synergy and synchronicity together and formed, guess what? An 11 letter S word called synergicity. So we got to take a brief break. <laughs> Isn't that good? But hang on. <laughs> is really getting more exciting when you talk about synergicity. It is really And apply it to parenting and to your family. <laughs> we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. We're talking about synergicity. Synergicity parenting, synergicity marriage, what in the world is that? <laughs> well, I don't know. You're going to have to explain it because you made up that word, but um, it is an exciting word, don't you think? It really sounds wonderful, if you can make it work. Well, let's, again, we're, it's a replacement for independence. Get rid of the idea that you can do parenting and do marriage on your own. You need help on it, as we do in everything in life. And so get rid of that attitude and adopt synergicity. Let's take a, a piece by piece, Linda. The synergy part of the word. Um, boy, we've loved that word for a long time. I can't even remember when we, I think it was back in, in graduate school, we first started thinking synergy, synergy. And it's usually a business word, right? Right. I mean, that's where it came from, I think, the business school. And uh, but synergy is you know, it, it has an energy about it, just saying that. It really does. And you and I have always felt like, well, it's a good business term or a teamwork term. It's even a good sports term. A good team has synergy. But we always thought it had the, its greatest application in marriage. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so many things that you can do that I just can't do. But there's more going the other way, but thank goodness for both of us. Well, it really is amazing that, you know, one parent has certain gifts and another parent has other gifts. And some parents do things really badly and other parents do other things really badly. <laughs> and so we make up. We make it up for each well, other. Well, and sometimes you'll do something that'll spur me to do something good. And, and it, it's like a bounce off. It's like brainstorming. It's like one thing leads to another. And boy, if you're lucky enough to be a two-parent family, and we know how many there are who are wonderful single parents, and what would you do if you were a single parent, Linda? But you're looking for synergy. You're looking for synergy in raising your kids. Yeah, if you're looking for synergicity, you're looking for no, just people synergy. Who can now, help let's you. just stay on synergy. Well, I'm talking about parents, aunts, and uncles who yeah. can help with the kids. Yeah, bounce it off Friends, of them. Um, there's so many people who can come in and help you. Um, there are people at the church who can help. There are counselors that can help. There are so many people that can help so that you feel like you are synergizing with other people about your children and about the needs you have with it's, them. It's almost like the opposite of a can-do attitude. I, I've i been a, kind of down on positive mental attitude forever. Not not really down on it because, of course, it's good to be positive, but this sort of fakish stuff where you fake it till you make it and you... And you come along and you say, uh, I can do it myself. And I have a positive, 
can-do attitude. We almost think think it's better in parenting and marriage and family relationship things to have a a, a positive can't-do attitude. Namely, I can't do it on my own. I need help. I, I'm humble. I admit I need help. I need you as my partner. I need inspiration from God. I need personal revelation. I need so much help because this is such a huge job. The job of raising children is beyond any of our capacity. So so the humility leads into it and we become, we start to synergize. And I even have a, you're going to be mad at me for even mentioning this, I think, Linda, but I think that's that's my best chance at, you know, getting to heaven is I'm just kind of hitched onto you and I'm not going to make it, but the combination of your parts and my parts are going to go together and, and the whole is better than the sum of its parts and I'm going to make it because of you. Well, I don't know, because of me, maybe <laughs> I'm going to make it because of you, but it really is um, a nice thing to feel like you're working on something together with someone else. We have received so much help with our kids through the years, uh, whether it's scouting or young men or young women or um, people who have shown a genuine love for our children. And right. In fact, we were just in, talking about another book called How to Live Forever, which we really like. And the premise of that is that every child needs a mentor outside of the family. Yeah. And it's so yeah. nice to have somebody who really cares about your child who may not be related, but who really loves them. So synergy. I mean, again, it's it's getting rid of the whole independence thing. I, I'm I just admit it. I'm interdependent. I'm interdependent with you. I'm interdependent with the church. I'm interdependent with all these other people, the teachers, the scout leaders, the the coaches. I'm interdependent with all of them. I I need them all, and I'm dependent on God. I need prayer. I need revelation. I need guidance. I need somehow to go beyond my own intelligence in trying to understand this child or this spouse and to do well. And so there's the synergy part of synergicity. You know, somebody we haven't talked about that can really help with synergicity with your kids is grandparents. Yeah. But you have to be careful not to stiff over the line on that because that's something you need to talk with children about and make sure that you're not going beyond where they want you to go with with help. But it, it is really helpful for grandparents to be there for the grandkids, um, whether it's just having a little nickname for each one of them or uh, knowing that the child has a special love for you because they know you love them. Now, that that ties in so beautifully and so closely with the with the synchronicity part of this new word we've made of synergicity. Because synchronicity is the interrelatedness of everything. And and understanding that, and actually we don't understand it, we just we just accept it on faith that we're all connected in various ways. And we know we're all basically connected because we're children of God. But the idea of accepting that and knowing that with it comes a certain kind of timing that we can't always manage or be in charge of. Um, and, and again, I mean, the simplest example that comes to mind, Linda, is, you know, we've gone through this with, with all our kids. We've watched so many other parents and now our grandkids where a mom and dad will say, oh, I am so sick of packing this heavy baby around. I will be so glad when this child can walk. And then what happens? 
Uh, the baby starts walking and opening all the cupboards and pulling out all the pots <laughs> and pans and dumping out washing fluid and all that stuff. And then you think, oh my gosh, why didn't I appreciate it while you were just sitting in one spot? It is amazing how so, we can't appreciate what's so, happening right at the moment. So the point is, we all the grass is always greener. We wish it was like it used to be or like it's going to be or we want to push something to happen right now and we're ready for it and let's make this happen and and the timing's off and 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 when you force things that aren't ready you force a child to learn something he's not, we see that so often with parents of preschoolers they're like hey when are you going to grow up and the kid's four years old <laughs> and the answer is not for a while well, when i'm about 21 <laughs> yeah that's absolutely true you know, this has made me think so much because of this reading I've just been doing about this family that there are so many opportunities for synergicity that we miss with our parents, our yeah, own parents, yeah. when we're young, when we're young adults. Um, I regret that I didn't ask my dad more about... He lived in a dry farm for two years. I didn't ask him about his life there. I could have learned so much more. He kept saying, we need to go to the dry farm sometime. We just drive by. It was way up in the mountains. I'm thinking, wow, what a what a great thing it would have been for us to synergize about that fabulous experience that he had. It was a horrible experience, but that experience that I could internalize. There's so many opportunities for synergicity that we miss. Well, and the, and the synchronicity part of synergicity, I'm keeping saying that till it becomes, you know, words that we all understand, but the synergicity part is like, you know, you have to let things come. I mean, when you think about it, Linda, the the origin of Joy School that so many of you listeners know about, where it's a preschool curriculum that we developed, which with a lot of help, by the way, we certainly weren't independent on that. We were synergistic and so on. But it really kind of related and sprang from, from synchronicity because our, our feeling was, hey, wait, we're trying to force these three-year-olds to, to learn to read and to, you know, do square roots and to get these big academic head starts. Wait, wait, what happened to childhood? Maybe we should be a little more patient. And we started asking ourselves, what's the most important thing little three and four-year-olds can learn? And we decided it's, it's right in scripture. They should learn joy. The purpose of life is joy. Men are that they might have joy. Why don't we just, and what do they have? I mean, you know, they have that. Can we just nurture what they already have for a while? Bring out the joy in them. Learn joy from them. And and so we built this whole joy school curriculum around that. And when you think about it, it was based on synchronicity. It was the idea that let's let natural timing come in here. Let's not force things to happen out of the timing that is sort of programmed into us as humans. Yeah, it really is interesting what it makes you think when you start thinking synergicity there's so many directions you can go but it does make a difference when you feel like other people can help you get input from wherever you can to help you with a problem or to help you go forward and be the best person you can possibly be get out of your mind that everything has to happen in a certain sequence we we have a lot of opportunity to speak to, to singles, uh, single adults, uh, often in church meetings. And, you know, it's, a, it, and again, we're not judging or, or trying to draw a blanket conclusion, but it is amazing how many people sort of have in mind 
there's a certain sequence. You know, you grow up and you go to high school and then you go to college and sometime right about in there you meet Prince Charming or Princess Charming and you get married and, and you settle down and you start your career and you start having kids and they grow up and your career blossoms and then you start having grandkids and it's like this little program sequence. But for most people, it doesn't happen that way. No, that, I was just going to say that that's the ideal or maybe not. Problem, it's not the ideal. Yeah, we, we absolutely. We get thinking it is. And, and so what if, what if you're a single person who, you know, that sequence hasn't happened and you're older now, oh, I missed my chance. No, no. There's a synchronicity here, and we have the beauty. Synchronicity works well in a in an attitude of eternity, right? Right. The time will come, but what is this the time for right now? Oh, maybe now, while I don't have children or whatever. So instead of looking for things we don't have that we wish we did, synchronicity and synergicity is sort of like. What are my unique opportunities right now? Right now, whether you're single, um, married, divorced, whatever your situation is, if you're struggling with life right now, life is long. I keep saying, people always say life is short. Life is long and eternity is even longer. Eternity is pretty long. And I've talked to so many parents who are devastated by a child who have lost their way. And, you know, the best thing you can say is just eternity is a long, long time. And we have a long time to work through a lot of the problems that we have. You know, when you think about it, Linda, maybe I've never thought of it in quite this way before, but maybe the biggest problem with independence is it puts too much pressure on you. It's like all on you. All It's all on you. And, you, and on the other hand, synergicity is like, relax. You know, there's time and the timing is yeah. going to work out. And there are other people I can get help. And I'm not weak if I ask for help or if I need help. That's a strength. And it's just a much more relaxed, much more peaceful way to think about life. You know, I love the quote. I don't know if I can get this right or not, but um, it goes, everything's going to work out in the end. And if it hasn't, it's not the end. Yeah. So there's a long way to go to get to where you want to be. And that's a good thing. It'll all work out. It'll all work out. And so we that's our promise to you. Is And, and we hope that you'll kind of get into these three shows that this is the third one of and think about do you really want control ownership and independence or are those kind of false goals that the world has set up that cause us to be frustrated and that don't really fit in with eternity and with a a spiritual belief and would maybe serendipity stewardship and synergicity that we've talked about today would those be better alternatives or whatever you choose to call them? So we challenge you, if you are going through a hard time or you think you have no control, put a sign up on your mirror that says, it's all going to work out in the end. And it will. And we are glad to be with you. And we will see you next time, or at least we'll be on the audio. We'll be on this side, yep. On Ayers on the Road. Thanks for listening in. Bye-bye.